the, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1, Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And so it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they had caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. And so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. I think we read this some weeks back, but he just spoke to me again yesterday morning. And so... Here they were, these fishermen, their father's business. They were partners, two boats. And they didn't catch anything all night. Completely fruitless night. And after Jesus was done preaching, he says, go out into the deep and we're for a catch of fish. And you can hear the sighing in, in Peter's voice. He's like, Master, he says, we've... We've been out fishing all night. You just go out again, you know? But, okay, you want us to we'll do it. But And they had been washing their nets. They, did, they, they cleaned their nets. They went to do a whole thing of finishing up for the day. And now he wants them to go again. And although it seems kind of crazy to Peter, he says, okay, Lord, you want us to do that? We'll do it for you. And so they go out and do it. And they let down their nets. And they catch this huge catch of fish. And you know, that's who we are before we're a Christian. And sometimes as a Christian, we are laboring in vain. You see, he says, we toiled all night. That's hard work. You pulling those nets up and, 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 and pulling them down and letting them in and out. 
That's hard work. And they're doing this all night. And they get nothing. But at the Lord's command, even though it didn't seem <laughs> didn't seem like it made sense, he says, go out and do it again. And they went out and did it. And then a very fruitful pull of fish. So much that so many fish that it almost sank their boats, both of their boats. That's how many were in there. And you see Peter's response. And he sees that it's the power of God that causes this great catch of fish. How could Jesus have known, you know, unless it was the power and the wisdom of God to do that? And so when we become a Christian, we begin to learn this message of putting our faith in the power of God and not in ourselves. To begin to trust not in what we see, not in what's seen, but the things that are unseen. And we begin to put our trust in the word of God. But then we go through seasons as a Christian where we find ourselves feeling like we're on a treadmill. Like we're spinning our wheels, like we're going nowhere. We're not bearing much fruit. So what's happening? Well, we need to go back. So what Jesus says, we got to do it again, but in the power and the faith and the hope of the Holy Spirit. And you see what a big difference it makes. And you see how fruitful that is. And these men from the very beginning, as we talked about it some weeks back, Peter is struck in, and they're all struck with awe at the power of God. And he sees his own inadequacy and his own sinfulness. And he tells Jesus, go away from me. You know, you, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. He says, from now on, you're going to catch men, not fish. And we see our own inadequacy. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. To encourage and to strengthen us. And to make, and to make us go forward. And to fulfill God's calling for each of our lives. And so... It says they put their boat ashore and they fixed up their parents, their father's business and they went and they followed Jesus. They forsook all and followed Jesus. And then the fruit that they bore later was legendary. But yet later on in the Gospel of John, the end of the Gospel of John, we go to John 21. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus had appeared to the apostles. <clears throat> 21, John 21 and verse 2. Simon Peter. Oh, wait till we get there. John 21, 2. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going to go with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. This is beginning to sound a little familiar, isn't it? They caught nothing that night. But when the morning had come, 
Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know what it, that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in, because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. For the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. And as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it with bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land, full of, hundred, of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three. And although there were so many, the net was not yet broken. And Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast, and yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus then came and took bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. <clears throat> now this is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he raised from the dead. So here again, another fruitless night. Another night of catching nothing. Wonder how many of those nights they had. So in this night they catch nothing, and then Jesus said, well, take the net, put it on the other side of the fish." And the fact that they were out fishing and doing the same thing again, and then they catch this huge catch of fish, 153 large fish. And they recognize that this is the Lord. Then they recognize this must be the Lord because they recognize that this is a repeat of the miracle that happened back in earlier in, their, in, in Jesus' ministry. And so the power of God is again revealed. A fruitless night all of a sudden becomes fruitful when they meet up with the Lord, when the Lord meets up with them. And then after breakfast, Jesus talks to Peter and says, Do you love me? Three times. Now you say, Well, why did Jesus ask him three times? You think it has anything to do with the fact that he denied Jesus three times? It probably does. He says, you love me. Three times he asks him. He says, yes, Jesus. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep three times. The third time, it says Peter was asked that. He says he was upset. He was annoyed because Jesus kept on asking him that. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then he begins to tell him, Verse 18, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and went, walked where you wanted. But when you are old, you will, they will, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by with, with death he would glorify God. And so the message was is that it's believed that he was to be crucified like Jesus was. And... The ministry of Jesus, for, the, uh, or for Peter, the calling of Peter here, 
to minister to the to, and to feed the sheep and the lambs. God has a plan for each of us, as He did for Peter here. You see that, but we'll never come to realize that for spinning our wheels, for not drawing close to God, for not walking in the Spirit. God has provided a way for us to come to that place of understanding. God is not a God of confusion. He's not the author of confusion, it says. We know that the enemy is the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. But if we're confused, Jesus said, come to me, and I will give you rest. Put my yoke upon you, he says, and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and so you shall find rest for your souls. We'll learn about, as we come to we'll learn about what His will is for our life. You know, I remember as a kid thinking, what, is, what am I here for? What is the meaning of my life? What is the meaning of all this going on in this world? I was a very confused child for a lot of reasons. And maybe others here feel the same way or have felt the same way. Maybe as an adult we might even feel that way. I know as a young adult I still felt that way. Before I knew the Lord. I had no purpose. I was a drifter. I had no purpose in life. I was just like driftwood, just wandering. And so we come to the Lord, and our labor in vain will cease. Our laboring in vain will cease. I believe it's King Hezekiah talking about how that he's speaking figuratively. Figuratively, his talk they were under siege, and he said, "The day has come where it's time to give birth, and there's no strength uh, to give birth, just because of the dire situation they were in and the help that they needed from the Lord." And so. We go to Galatians chapter 2, and verse 20 is a very familiar passage. Galatians 2.20, familiar verse, I should say. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul no longer sees himself as Saul of Tarsus anymore, that guy. And he doesn't have to live in the guilt of that. Because that's not who I am anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I am a new man in Christ. In other places it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old way of life passed away. All things, all things become new. A new life, a new spirit, a new man, a new creation. That's what Christ gives us. When we come to him, 
He says, it's no longer me living. He says, I've died with Christ, he says in Romans 6. I've been died with Christ. I've been buried with Him in baptism. And I've been raised with Him to walk in a new life. That new life is the fruitful life. That's where the catch, the great catch is. Like the disciples had of those fish. It was under the Lord's directive. And all of a sudden, they have the fruitful catch. We become fruitful in the new life. We find new life in Christ. And as we walk in it, we find that we become fruitful and we bear good fruit. As Jesus said, was the Father's will in John 15. It's not any longer me who lives, but Jesus Christ lives in me. He says, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. This is a walk of faith. We must believe what's, with, with this, these, this truth, this spiritual truth that happens to us who believe in Christ. The, to us, those of us who have been converted, there's no longer us who lives, but Christ lives in us. Now we always say, well, how come it looks an awful lot like, how come today I look an awful lot like I did before Christ? We have to walk with Christ. The Bible says, walk in the new man that's created after God in righteousness and true holiness. The Apostle Peter said, we have become partakers of the divine nature. That means we become partaker of God's nature. No longer us, but God living in us. No longer us, but Christ living in us and living through us. So, well, why do I, why am I not looking like that? We're walking in the old man, we're not looking like that. We must believe this, that God has given us a new spirit. He's given us of himself, of his nature. We must believe it. That's why he says, the life that I now live, I live by faith. We must believe that this is true. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. I don't just believe that he loved me and gave himself for me, but he's given, I must, I believe also that he's given me a new life. A new life in Jesus. And when we are walking in the new man, we see that it's no longer us, but Christ is living in us. We begin to see Christ, the life of Christ being manifested in our mortal bodies, is the way Paul put it in Second Corinthians or First Corinthians chapter four. That is second. Yeah. <laughs> it's in Corinthians. <laughs> Galatians five sixteen. I say then walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we say, well, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? And people have said, well, you've got to tell us what it means to walk in the Spirit. Just read that. What does it mean? Walk in the Spirit. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come and He would teach us. And He would be a guide to us. And He would be a helper to us. So if He's our teacher, our guide, and our helper... We should listen and obey the things that he teaches. 
We sh if he's our guide, when you have a guide, you should follow that guide. And if he's our helper, we should embrace his help. The and he said he would empower us. He would empower us to walk in this direction. The Holy Spirit is saying, this way, follow Jesus, this way. We've been empowered. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is the power to walk with Him. The Bible says that it's goodness, kindness, faithfulness, power to walk with Him, love, all these different things, gentleness, self-control. We've been empowered to walk with Him, to walk in His Spirit. So that means it's a decision on our part. They well, sometimes it's too hard. That's where the deception is. It's too hard on ourselves. We're out there, not we're not going to catch any fish that way. We walk in the Spirit. We'll bear the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we say. And we won't bear the fruit of the flesh. And what is the end result? The life of Jesus is manifested in our mortal bodies. Galatians 6:14 God forbid that I should boast except in the Lord except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. In the world, we boast. The old man is full of pride and boasting. He says, God forbid that we should continue in that. He says, none of this means anything. He says, the only thing that matters now is a new creation. That we are new people in Christ. We are new men, new women, new boys, new girls in Christ. That's what matters. Not all the things of this world, not the pride, not the boasting, not the, the material, not anything of this life. What matters is that we're a new creation. And he says, as many as walk by this rule, the new creation, and nothing else matters except the new creation. He says, peace and mercy be upon them. That's what matters. And that's where the fruit is. That's where the peace and the mercy is in the new creation. And we may say, well, you know, I had that experience and I'm okay. The experience is the opening of the door, the beginning of the, of the life of the new creation. We are to continue. As Paul says, walk in the new man. Don't just start in the new man and then go back to the old man. You see Peter, and he goes, we're going fishing again. Go back to that again. They had forsaken their, their boats they had forsaken their nets and gone follow Christ. Now 
They went back to their business again. Going fishing. And they go out, and, and there's the Lord on the shore. Get your fish and come on in. And they go in. And then, of course, Jesus commissions Peter after that for the work that he had for them. If we, it says in Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we have become a new person in Christ, let us walk in that new person. Which obviously implies that we can walk in that old person. That's why Paul tells us, walk in the new man, not the old man, because we, we see very, very quickly that we can walk in our old way of life and not look anything like the life of Christ. But if you want peace and mercy, and if, you want, and if it's your desire to bear the fruit of the Spirit, as it is God's desire and command, that's where it is to walk in the way the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding and teaching. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this. In verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all have died, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. The motivation of our life is to, to not live for ourselves, but for Jesus. It says we're compelled by his love for us. That God demonstrates his love for us. We read last week. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. We have to see ourselves as that. No matter how moral we try to be, or have been, that we're without Him, we're lost. Without His death on the cross, we'll never be accepted by God. Without faith in the cross of Jesus, and the blood which He shed on the cross, we're lost. There is no other name under heaven, Peter said, by which we must be saved. No other name. No other way, except through Christ. And he died for all because all needed him to die for them. And he gave his life for us, and we should live for him. And that's where the problem comes in. When we want to live for ourselves, we walk in the old man. When we're living for him, we walk in the new man. And then he says in verse 16, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. One version says we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't look at anybody from a worldly point of view anymore. With the new man comes a new mindset, a new point of view. 
a spiritual point of view. And we're called to look at life and everyone around us and everyone God brings to our path from a spiritual point of view and no longer from a worldly point of view. The new man is a new mindset. The carnal mind is at enmity with God. Doesn't understand the things of God. The spiritual man does. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He first makes peace with us, and then he wants to use us to strengthen one another, to minister grace to one another, and to bring the message of reconciliation to those who are lost. Those who have were, had that experience and then wandered away. To restore them in the spirit of meekness, the word says. To us has been given the ministry of reconciliation. A ministry of peace. Peace with each other. Peace with a ministry of peace to those in darkness. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It's interesting that right after that talks about family situations. And then... Begins in verse 22. Talks about work situations. Bond servants obey the, in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing good, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. And you see a different focus for the Christian. A focus of whatever we're doing, we're doing it, we're serving the Lord doing this. 
You know, whether they're cleaning the bathroom, you know, or washing the dishes, or doing something on our job. It's this mundane, whatever. We do it every day. It's, it gets old and boring and everything else. But it's not fruitless. We're doing it all to the glory of God. Being faithful and walking with the Lord. It's no longer a fruitless experience. It's no longer an empty net. We're doing it to the glory of God. And every time I share this, I always remember the day that one day when I was having a very frustrated, fruitless and empty day it was a Saturday and Saturday is my day to get catch up on you know, uh, house maintenance, one of my all-time all favorite things to do. Uh, but I was having one of those days where nothing was going right. I was having a plumbing problem, and that was the first thing, and I'm a lousy plumber, and it was the first thing in the day. And I spent, I was most of the morning and half of the afternoon on the first thing on my list, and there was this whole long list of things that I planned to do. And I remember at some point being frustrated, this was years back, being frustrated and saying to Kate, I said, I said, I am just having just a completely wasted day, completely fruitless, and I haven't done anything. And I remember her response came right back to me. She said, well... If you're doing it to the glory of God, if you're doing it as unto the Lord, then it's not a fruitless day. And you know what? It's just completely, it's the same thing, same day, but it just gave me a completely different look at it. And when I'm having one of those days, now I, I remind myself of that and try to remember that, you know, because you kind of lose your way in, in the heat of the day sometimes and you forget you're supposed to be doing everything in the name of the Lord and doing everything to His glory. And I think sometimes when we look at, even in our past week, if we do everything, has everything I've been doing, has, a, has my motive been to do it to the glory of God? Sometimes we kind of feel, feel small when we think about that. We realize we haven't. But, but you know... God is showing us that, you know, we need to change and we need to have that mindset. Whatever we do should be to the glory of God and be done in His name. <clears throat> I think I'm going to stop here. Dan, I'm going to open it for you. And Dave, anybody else? Any other brothers?